Pitt has a tough test coming up against Tennessee. And in order to win this game, they're going to have to do a few things. But most notably, Keaton Slovis is going to have to be even better this week. How can he improve? What will Pitt do potentially without Rodney Hammond? And so much more. Come up today on this episode of Locked on Pitt. Our Locked On Pit, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Panthers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Folks, welcome to the Locked On Pit Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Nick Faribault. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, turn on the notification bell, do all those great things. If you are listening to this on podcast platforms, make sure to leave a review, folks. Always appreciate those, as always. And, folks, a lot to talk about today coming out of the backyard brawl and leading into the Tennessee game. But, folks, today's title sponsor is brought to you by LinkedIn. I'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for sponsoring this episode of Locked on Pit. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. Now, folks, when we talk about Pit this week, it's one where obviously they're sitting pretty still at 17 in the AP poll, so they don't move at all in the rankings and we can talk about that and how that's probably disrespectful because they defeated a power five team. Now there weren't many teams in front of them that lost and C state took a little bit of a crash. Miami went up. You could talk about the mighty issue of that Pitt probably should have moved up at least one or two spots though. Certainly you feel with that, but they're still number 17 and they have number 24 Tennessee coming to town. And that's what makes this such a, an intriguing matchup. But when you go back to the tape that we saw against West Virginia, there is one thing that stuck out to me. And it was the up and down play of Keaton Slovis. Yes, he he definitely had his moments where I thought he stuck out in a really good way. And I was very impressed by some of the stuff that I saw from Keaton Slovis during this game. I thought Slovis came up when they really needed him to. And I mean that. He came up in the biggest moments. It's not easy to come up in the moments where you're in a rivalry game, where it's a game where you're on the ropes, your team clearly has the momentum going away from them, and yet you still drive them 92 yards in six plays. There's a lot of good in that sauce that Keegan Slovis brought. Now, Keegan Slovis has to be better. He does have to be better. Ran himself into a lot of sacks. And that's just no bueno. You can't manage the pocket like Keegan Slovis did on Thursday. And here's the thing. Slovis is fine under center Actually, in that regard, he actually doesn't run himself into a lot of bad areas in that kind of vein. All five of his sacks were out of the shotgun. Yeah, but under center, 
it gives them almost no versatility when they're going 7-6 alignment. So they almost have to spread it out, and that's where Keaton Slovis found a lot of his success. It felt like when they spread the ball out, when they gave him a little bit of tempo, and when they kind of allowed him to just read the field from the shotgun, because obviously that is one of the big things of the shotgun is you get to see a little bit of what's going on pre-snap more. And I think that he has a different level of comfortability working from the shotgun, but he has to have better pocket management. He cannot be sliding into pressure. Not all five sacks were on him, but there's at least three, maybe even four sacks. Maybe, you know, you can maybe split one um, between Keaton Slovis and the offensive line. And and I want to preface this. Um, The offensive line wasn't terrible on Thursday against West Virginia, but they certainly weren't great. Um, They weren't really that good in the run game. Uh, they got a lot of sloppy false starts. Macinsalves had a really bad game, and eventually got replaced by Branson Taylor. That's another thing to look at. Taylor on that was in on that last drive, and he looked really, really good for Pitt. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if Gabe Hoy is not ready to suit up this week against Tennessee with guys like Byron Young on that D line for Tennessee. Don't be surprised if Branson Taylor kind of gets his first action. He was very impressive uh, in his limited action against the Mountaineers. So I liked what he, what he brought to the table. And I thought Slovis was so much better when he actually had that fortified left side. I didn't think it was the left side. That was an issue for Caden Slovis. I thought when pressure came from the left side, he actually was able to feel it out fine, step up in the pocket, do all that. I thought when it came from the right side, the side he actually saw it, he became paranoid and happy footed. And that led to some bad plays. And that certainly led two sacks and so he's got to be better in that area i watched the all 22 and it did confirm to me that he did miss a few reads too uh, gavin bartholomew was open more than a few times and quite honestly keaton slovis just missed him um and keaton slovis this has been an issue his whole college career where he has just not been able to go from read one to two to three to four and hit those guys off the cuff and so that's an issue that i'm not sure is going to be rectified but making everything simpler, Um, running RPOs, running simple reads to one side. I didn't see them simplify the reads for him that much. It wasn't all to one side. Uh, He was was going one, two, three to the backside on different sides. I think they should simplify those reads, keep one, two, three on the same side if they can. And again, this is why I'm an advocate for spreading them out a little bit. Go to 11 personnel, even makes a little bit of 10 personnel in there. I mean, you have the wide receivers to do it. So... I think you should flex the weapons a little bit a little, and help Keaton Slovis get a little bit more comfortable. You saw where he was comfortable, though, and it's a big area. And one of the big areas was when he went past 10, 10 air yards. When the ball was thrown more than 10 air yards, he was 7 of 11 for 163 yards. That's impressive. That is impressive. Now, some of that's obviously from yards after the catch and, and things of that nature. But it, it doesn't take away from the fact that Keen Slovis, over his career as well, I should say this, it's not just in this game. Keen Slovis, markedly, over his career, has been better going intermediate to deep. That's really what he has been better at. And so Keen Slovis had an up-and-down game. He was clutch when he needed to. And I think that you saw that he absolutely needs to work on his pocket management. He missed Kanani Mumfield on a deep ball, and 
that sucks because that 10 plus yard mark could be even better. Mumfield probably have a touchdown on that. Um, but he was tough at the end when he needed him to. He was accurate to the intermediate part of the field, and especially that middle part of the field. He made a few really nice throws at the middle. Um, first, like the first throw of the game, he threw a dart in the middle of cover three with the buzz defender over the middle of the field, and he kind of just split them. Um, it was a gorgeous pass to Jared Wayne. Wayne had to hit the dirt because it's the only place where it could have gone. Um, that's kind of the impressive flashes of ball placement you get with Keen Slovis, and I thought that was a really, really great throw. Um, so you kind of got that up and down nature. I'd like to see him be more consistent and get him into a rhythm. And again, there are ways you can do that. If I'm Frank Signini, I'm spreading this game out a little bit. I'm getting him in shotgun more this week. Um, I, I'm 100% going to give him a lot of RPOs, uh, give him those one-sided reads. Yes, it's going to be simplified. I, I would simplify everything even more. I mean, even with Rodney Hammond, we'll talk about this. Hammond's probably going to be out for a little while, um, but I would give him screen passes, right? Uh, just run screens because this is a, a Tennessee team that does like to bring the heat every now and then. So let's simplify things for Keaton Slovis, and then maybe as the season goes on, if he starts to grasp that, then take him to the advanced stuff. He isn't there yet. He isn't there yet, and there was a feeling out process between Frank Signetti and Keaton Slovis. That was very evident. And I think they kind of found each other's kind of happy place at the end. And that's why I think Pitt started to move the ball a little bit better in the third quarter once they started to open things up. Now, whether that passing was because of necessity, because of how the game was going, or because Frank Signetti realized, okay, Keaton Slovis is more comfortable in the, this arena. I hope it's the latter. Because I, I think it showcased just how much better Slovis was out of that shotgun and, and feeling kind of, What's coming at him? He can see the blitz. He can get hot. Um, I think that's one easy thing that Keaton Slovis can work on is, okay, let's let's learn how to get hot. If if I see the blitz coming, I don't care. I'm not. I'm gonna stick in the pocket. I'll take a tough hit, but I'll get to my hot read. And, and I think he did that on the Israel Bannikant touchdown run. Um, the short pass. He's gotta learn how to take the check down. He's gotta get hot because Gavin Bartholomew was hot a few times. He was the hot route. On a key third down at the beginning of the game, Slows tried to roll out right, and he got sacked. Should have been a first down, um, but he's got to learn how to get hot. And I think that's the thing, that hot read, that hot route, is going to be very key for Keaton Slovis. Simplify things for him, and I think you'll see a more consistent version of him this week. And I think that's really what you got to do. And then once you get the RPOs, the screens, and everything, well, guess what's going to open up behind that? Yes, the deep ball. And I think that's where Keaton Slovis will create explosive plays. So I think pick can become a dynamic offense by doing that. Um, so I think that's the game plan here for Frank Signetti coming up. But how does Pitt replace Rodney Hammond? We're going to get an update on Rodney Hammond for what I've heard around the Pitt program. And I'll tell you how they could potentially get better or around the running game, even without Rodney Hammond. But first, folks, I want to let you guys know about LinkedIn jobs. Because, folks, with the fall coming around, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. All you have to do is create a free job post in minutes on LinkedIn Jobs to reach your network and beyond to the world's largest professional network of over 810 million people. All you have to do is add the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile to spread the word that you are looking to hire on your network. Simple tools like screen questions make it easy to focus on the candidates you may want. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. 
LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Did you know every week nearly 40 million job seekers visit LinkedIn? Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, folks, welcome back to the Locked On Pit podcast as we move on from some Keen Slovis discussion and, and how you can help him improve and how he can build off what was a really good end of the game for him. Uh, and you saw the good quarterback in that player. Um, I think that's one thing that just to bookend that discussion on Keen Slovis, I, I think that you saw the struggles and what made him struggle last year at USC, but I also think you saw the flashes of the brilliance of the 2019 version of Keen Slovis in there. So, you want that version, I say you make it simpler because his, his offense got more and more complicated over his time at USC. When it was kept simple, he was at his best, folks. So I think you keep it as simple as you can for Keaton Slovis and just let him play ball. But let's look at this Pitt running game because here's the thing. Pitt's running game was okay. It was okay. And I, I say that because Rodney Hammond – was like a man possessed, right? This dude went absolutely bananas in this game. Dragging guys left and right, making great cuts, reads, all of that stuff. Look forward tough. I've said that millions of times, but he is such a tough runner, and I'm a, I'm a fan of what Rodney Hammond brings to the table for this pit football team. But he did get hurt, and... It, it was a pretty nasty ankle injury. Uh, it, it did not look good, to say the least. Uh, there was a picture on Twitter going around, and I asked around, and, and Pitt does think that Ronnie Hammond's going to miss a little bit of time. Um, certainly this week, uh, I would expect him to maybe be out through the bye week. Um, that could be a potential, uh, or he could return early in conference play, one of those first two games, Georgia Tech, Virginia Tech, um, in early October. Um, that's when I would th- think he would come back. I think he's at the very least out through the Rhode Island game. Um, so that's what I would believe. It's not season ending, but Rodney Hammond's going to miss a little bit of time. Um, so that is a bummer, obviously, on um, the fact that Rodney Hammond will not play uh, this game more than likely. Um, so they have to find a solution to this running game. And this was one of the, my big cruxes with Frank Signetti. We, we talk about how Keaton Slovis can improve, and Frank Signetti can improve within that vein. The passing game needs to get simpler. In that vein as well, so does the running game. The running game that Frank Signetti came to pit known for, for running at Boston College, was that wide zone, mid zone type hybrid. And yet he came out against West Virginia and ran a ton of gap runs. It, it was more duo and and power and counter and trap and and these types of of runs. And it, it, it that seven O line group. Just did not make sense to me. And I think for Exignetti, as the game went on, was like, yeah, dude, this ain't going to work. Uh, and it was clear because I think he thought that Pitt could maybe bully West Virginia up front. And that became very clear that they were not going to be able to do that very quickly in this game. Uh, West Virginia was very, very stout up front. I think that they, that was the one of the big things West Virginia had that kept them going in this game was their defensive line played a really good game. And Dante Stills in particular, I mean, we when we talk about guys that can destroy games from the interior, you've seen what Kalijah Kansi can do. Obviously, if you're a Pitt fan, you've seen Aaron Donald do it before. Um, but Dante Stills was wrecking havoc 
up in the middle there for Pitt, and especially in the run game. And that was an issue for Pitt all night long. They couldn't block Dante Stills. Um, and so when you look at this front for Tennessee, it's a good front. And not having Ronnie Hammond sucks for that because, again, this is another physical team. But you look at some of the guys on this team. Tyler Barron had a really good game against Ball State. Uh, I liked what I saw to him last year, so I think he could be turning the corner. You have Amari Thomas, Karat Garland, Byron Young, who we talked about earlier. I'm a Byron Young guy. I really like his bend. Uh, and they have some deeper guys like Elijah Simmons. You you see Bryson Eason. Um, so there's a lot of guys in this D-line. It's a deep D-line that does rotate a lot. Um, and so that's going to be a tough matchup for Pitt. And that 7 line stuff isn't going to fly. And when you look at Tennessee and – what they particularly struggle with in the run game because they run quarters a lot. So they're in two high shells. So their linebackers have a lot of stuff put into them. And this is why I think wide zone is so great about this. Now we'll see what, what they decide to do. Maybe they don't go into their quarters looks a ton, um, but that is what they do a lot. They do a lot of quarters. So you'll hit that intermediate pass again. Keaton Slovis needs to hit that intermediate pass and that needs to be opened up for him. We'll talk about this all later in the week and why I think opening up the offense is the key. But the key to the run game is going to be to letting your running backs get the space and run that wide zone stuff. Because if they sit too high right now, yeah, I I think that's the key thing. Unless they're going to blitz their slot corner, which they could do, which means you put more onus on the tight ends. Um, We don't know if Carter Johnson is going to play, obviously. I I don't think he would. uh, Catching a bad infection, I was in the hospital as early as Monday. Um, So hopefully everything is good with Carter Johnson, but maybe you play Kai Wright more. Um, maybe you get Gavin Bartholomew flexed out and stock blocking a little bit more to, to punish those blitzers. Um, but I think you look at this run game, and, and the solution is by running that wide zone scheme and trying to bully these linebackers at the second level. Um, force these linebackers to fit the run. I think Pitt can be able to kind of beat the defensive line. It can be at least be a wash. And then if you can get your lineman, your secondary lineman off those combo blocks to climb to the second level and chip, you have dynamic runners in space. And Hammond's that, but that's what Izzy Abani can is. He's a little stiff and uptight, right? He runs very upright. So when you run him in between the tackles, you get a little bit of inconsistency with that. And, and so that's why when they ran the gap-heavy stuff, it made a little bit more sense that Rodney Hammond was kind of the guy to run that because he's so tough and everything. Um, but you look at a guy like Vincent Davis, who stands to obviously gain from this. Uh, he's a great player in space. He's shifty, smaller dude, but can really work in space. So wide zone stuff is going to work for these guys. Uh, even Sebo Flemister. Now, if you want to fill in that gap stuff, because every coach, no matter how much I talk about wide zone, you're not going to run 60 wide zone runs. Obviously, you're going to run some gap concepts. Well, you have Sebo Flemister, who is really tough as well. Uh, he's a type of guy that can maybe give you that toughness and that edge. And so the run game just has to be spread out. If you work from the shotgun, you'll have lighter boxes. You'll have that ability. If you're under center, though, let's not go into 6-7-0 line type formations. Doesn't mean you can't have Daniel Carter, but use Daniel Carter maybe more as an H-back. Maybe use Daniel Carter more as that flex-out tight end guy. Um, spread out this offense a little bit even use a diamond package right like just just line up with two backs behind Keaton Slovis if you really want to work a pistol look in that out of that if you want to 
run some two running back sets and use Daniel Carter as another runner because we know what he can do. But spread out this team under center if you need to. That's the thing. If you're under center, spread them out. Play an 11 personnel. Make them, make them compliment these three wide receivers and run some inside zone. And, and then bring your guys in because these wide receivers can block. I'm telling you, these pit wide receivers can block, 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 block. Bring them in and crack back the block on the small corner. That's another way to condense it. Condense the sets with your receivers rather than by seven linemen. And that's another way you can create spacing for your running backs. So that's just a schematic way to do it. Izzy Bannon is obviously going to be the lead dog personnel-wise. And see what Mr. Vincent Davis working in there as well. But there's a lot of options for Pitt to work with, even without running him and losing him sucks. Um, but definitely a lot to work with still here uh, on Pitt's offense. I do want to, however, highlight before we get out of here, a really strong defensive performance by the defensive backs that I think people are overlooking. We'll discuss that next after this quick break. Welcome back to the Locked on Pit podcast, everybody. We're talking Pitt's defense now after talking their running game, Keaton Slovis, Frank Signetti. We talked about all the big hits that we are talking about in the Pitt fan base, but I want to acknowledge this Pitt defensive backroom because I don't think people acknowledge it enough and what they did. I actually think this was one of the most underrated parts of this win against West Virginia. You look at 31 points, you look at what Bryce Ford Wheaton did. I understand this. But Pitt's defense, especially their secondary, put their big boy pants on until the D-line decided to finally wake up. And by defensive line, I mostly mean John Morgan, who had an unbelievable game. D-line was okay in this game, but not as great as they needed to be. And the secondary kind of kept Pitt in this one. And people, I see, I saw a lot of people kind of stunting on the the, the the defense a little bit in the secondary in particular, and I do not get that. This defense played some good football. And, and I really mean that. They played some good, good football. And MJ Devonshire led that group. Now, the snap counts for this week are very interesting because we have all of that data. So the starters were Marquez Williams and A.J. Woods. Williams played 53 snaps, leading the corners with Rashad Battle at 46 at 2, Devonshire with 43, and then Woods at 19. In all the 19 snaps, Woods was targeted five times, Two receptions, 32 yards. All 32 of those yards against Bryce Ford Wheaton. Um, that didn't look like an advantageous matchup. And that's not to the detriment of A.J. Woods. I think he fought his butt off. I thought he did a nice job. He had two pass breakups on those five targets, too. Um, so credit to A.J. Woods for fighting. I just don't think he had fluidity to match Ford Wheaton. And the length, because, you know, I mean... Devonshire and Woods are very similar in terms of size, but Devonshire is longer. And Devonshire came in, and this is when Bryce Ford Wheaton almost left. I mean, he really didn't come into factor all that much anymore after this. Now, Rashad Battle had a little bit of trouble against him, too. Uh, you look, eight targets, five receptions allowed, 57 yards. 
Um, probably not the best day for battle, but he's still learning, adjusting back from free safety. Um, so that's going to take a little bit of time. I like what I saw from him too. He definitely did fi uh, fight a lot. I think Kez Williams obviously has, he's a good game. Guys just don't seem to target him much at all. Um, but you look at Devonshire, six targets, three receptions, only 19 yards. So even if there was a catch, he was limiting those yards. MJ Devonshire, and I kept saying this to everyone I would talk to, they're like, well, who's going to be the next breakout player on that pit defense? Because, yeah, you have a lot of returning guys. So, you know, the Collage of Kansas, the Brandon Hills, Marquez Williams, the Cervasia Dennis's, the Hobbleball Nulls, you know all those guys. So who's going to be the breakout guy? And I, I told him, look no further than MJ Devonshire. I know he wasn't listed as a starter. I know it was AJ Woods. I think moving forward, it's going to be hard not to start MJ Devonshire opposite of Marquez Williams. He just has that skill set. He's got great ball skills. He's a pest to wide receivers because he's so good in press coverage. Like, this is a guy that reminds me of those great cornerbacks that he had, that Pat Narduzzi had at Michigan State. Trey Waynes and Darquez Denard were phenomenal in that great team that really catapulted Pat Narduzzi into superstardom as a defensive coordinator up there in East Lansing. And he has a lot of the similar traits to those guys. Sticky man coverage corners that have pretty solid length and great ball skills. This guy is just a pest. He's a foreign, he, he's really just kind of technically so sound. And I think that's the biggest thing to me is that he has that technique sound. He works feet before hands and he's a great, Great cover corner. And so I wanted to highlight what he did because MJ Devonshire is here to put people on notice. And the secondary as a whole, Woods, Battle, Williams, Hill, Hallett. Eric Hallett, by the way, had a pretty good game. I, don't, I think that was very under the radar in terms of how good he was. And so was Brandon Hill. You want to talk about guys that kind of saved some touchdowns. Uh, they saved some touchdowns on those long runs by C.J. Donaldson. So that was certainly something that I saw um, from this pit secondary as well. Those safeties were doing well in terms of that third level, that last line of defense, not allowing those big runs to turn into scores. Um, so you look at what the secondary did. I thought they fought hard. I thought they did a lot of the pulling weight here for this defense. They need a little bit more support in the future. But I think Pitt's secondary is – a very underrated part of this team. I like Pitt's secondary, and again, I think MJ Devonshire is a stud, and, and I don't know if Pitt fans completely realize it, even after the game-winning pick six, of course, but he's a stud. I, I think you should get on the MJ Devonshire hype train, folks, if you can, because I, I think you're going to be seeing a lot of good stuff from MJ Devonshire over the year and maybe years to come with him playing for his hometown team. That quick to Pitt connection, always such a plentiful connection for Pitt. Always so good to see that connection living well and, and the guys just showing out here for Pitt and hometown kid, obviously getting that pick six, but he had a phenomenal game. Folks, we'll be back tomorrow talking with Eric Kane of Locked On Vols. We'll preview that game a little bit from his side. We'll start talking a little bit about what I think Pitt can do to maybe slow down Hendon Hooker and the Tennessee offense and what they can do to attack this Tennessee defense all that's coming up tomorrow on locked on pit folks as always thanks for listening and as always hail top